we were brought up on on KPIs. Um, if you don't have a KPI, then you don't have a ratio. They are the roadmap to success. You, you can't tell me that anybody out there, whether they're business or, I don't know, tennis, football, horse, you know, whatever, whatever it is, there is data. Data is used for people to get better, for us to be more effective, faster, more efficient. Welcome to the How They Lead podcast, hosted by Benjamin Wade and Ben Stocken. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the world of high performance, showcasing examples of how individuals and teams can reach their full potential. Together, they'll be inviting amazing guests who have defined or represented high performance in their own right. From world record breakers to individuals who have achieved first in their fields, the How They Lead podcast will showcase a diverse range of guests, each with their unique stories and insights to share. So join us as we challenge traditional ways of doing things, explore new ideas, methods and possibilities, and evolve the way people perform. Another episode of How They Lead, and our listeners now know that we invite guests from mainstream frontline leadership positions, but people who they might not have heard from before. And this episode is no different. We've invited Hannah, Hannah Keep, to come and talk to us. I think on last count, I saw nine different amazing experiences, including a lockdown startup business platform, which I'm intrigued to hear more about. But I'd like to pass over to yourself, Hannah, and hear a little bit more about you, who you are and how we're fortunate enough to have you on our latest episode. Oh, well, thank you both for having me. I've been really looking forward to this as well. Um, my, my role at the moment, I'm um, CRO at uh, the Index Group, um, which is um, a group of staffing brands. But I think most people will know me as a, as a recruitment trainer and coach. 18 years of my life doing that. And then during lockdown, I set up my own recruitment agency called Agility. So you, you said you yeah, had nine different things on my profile. There's There's been quite a few, but I guess recruitment is the common theme as well as um, coaching and, of course, leadership, which we're here today to chat about. <laughs> yeah, great. Hannah, lovely to have you on, on How They Lead. Um, I've been really looking forward to this one. I've been wanting to pick your brains for a while. So um, so got you got you captured and surrounded now. Um, I'm really interested, just to kick us off. So CRO at Index, what the hell's a CRO? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good question. In fact, every week I have to sit down and just remind myself, actually. <laughs> what is a CRO? What is it? But the purpose is to help our brands make more money, in a nutshell. That's, yeah, that, that's what I'm here to do. And it could mean a variety of things from startup brands to helping them with their go-to-market strategy. What, what products are we launching with? What actually is the market? How can we dominate it? Messaging to working with the existing brands. And doing my favorite thing, which is basically spotting all the gaps, looking at where we're leaking money, closing the gaps, um, and trying to make everybody better. Nice. Sounds nice. brilliant. <laughs> How many brands are you responsible for, just for our, our listeners? Uh, six at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And for lay people like me, a CRO is a chief revenue officer. Is that right? That's it. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, <laughs> That's cool. where the money bit comes in. Yeah. That's where the money bit comes in. Okay, great. So... You've got like a vast amount of, of, of practical and demonstrable recruitment, training, coaching experience. How does, how does that translate to 
uh, a chief revenue officer role, which a number of people might see as like, you know, comes from someone who's, who's done a, a sales director role or a BDM role within a recruitment or search business. So how did you, how did you go on that journey? Kind of defining the journey, at, you know, as we go, the role kind of appealed to all of my strengths. I mean, you said like recruitment there, there's, you know, there's, there's coaching there. Business development is probably one of my most favorite activities on the planet. So it, it like, it, you know, and, it, and building things, right? So it, it appeals to, to all of my strengths, but um, I, I'm kind of wanting to take it in a bit of a new direction and bring and, and almost redefine learning and development as well. So the, the actual team that I'm responsible for is revenue and performance. And we chose not to call our L&D team L&D. It is revenue and performance. So whatever we do, there's a clear link between the activity um, and bringing in more revenue. Um, so my role touches on obviously sales, but also, you, you know, marketing to systems uh, as, as well as to people. It's really quite an exciting journey to go on because I, I think it's quite new to the industry, actually, as in recruitment, but more likely to sales enablement, I guess. You look outside of, of recruitment. Yeah. Was it a passion for coaching that you started off with or did you end up in recruitment as, as one of your first roles? What was the, the start of that journey that Ben mentioned? What did that look like? Well, yeah, sales was first, but then, yeah, and then into recruitment. Um, and then when I left um, age 26 to go traveling, I, I came back and actually joined my mum in her business. And she had a really successful leadership and exec coaching um, business. So um, she said, what are you going to do when you get back? I'm like, I don't know. She said, could you just do some sales for us? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll get you some appointments. And I just fell in love with the whole concept of I guess, personal effectiveness, self-leadership, leadership, and then went on this long journey of, uh, of getting qualified. Um, I, I don't have a traditional degree. My degree is in everything to do with this, you know, whether that's NLP, coaching, psychometrics. Um, yeah, and that's how the journey started. And actually, I, I fell back into recruitment in um, that crash in 2008, um, where we lost a lot of our exec coaching clients overnight because they're all in banking. And it was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? Uh, what can I do? Um, and I actually wrote a book um, all about resilience. And, and a few people found me from my past. And they're like, Hannah, could you come and do some recruitment training for us? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and that was 18, like how many, many years ago it was. So, yeah, that's the journey. And then I, I went back on the tools during COVID. Um, it'd been a long time since I actually did hands-on recruitment. And that was a chance for me to go, right, have you still got it? You know, can you still do this? And it was a completely different world of recruitment. Now we're like automation and LinkedIn recruiter, not the fax machine and like basic email that we had all those years ago. You mentioned uh, AI and NLP um, and sort of communication, resilience, etc. Is there anything that you have covered had the biggest impact or that you've seen the, the biggest impact? Say for our listeners at home, what could they concentrate on from those four or five quite deep topics that you've just mentioned? Anything that you would say had the biggest impact? Yeah, it has to start with emotional intelligence, doesn't it? And I, you know, and the element of self leadership um, and really understanding yourself from a yeah really deep perspective. As in, you know, what? Why do I? Why do I do that? Um, why do I make those decisions? What? What's the thinking? What are the patterns of behaviour that I have? Why am I at my best then and why am I not that, you know, that whole self-reflective piece to really understand, you know, who you are, what you're about, what's important to you, um, what your purpose is and being really aligned internally. 
um yeah and that that's a long journey right and I'm still on I'm still on that journey now I'm still discovering you know more things but you know for me that's the most powerful when you really start to 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 know who you are and when when you get that knowledge you can start to operate you know from when you're at your best and play to your strengths and um for me, limiting beliefs is a big one. And, and that kind of runs through all of the coaching sessions, especially in sales that I've ever done. It, you know, it's like, you know, unless you believe there's going to be a positive outcome to this call, this meeting, this month, whatever it is, you know, you, you, there's no point even getting started because you've already made the decision that you're going to fail before you even take the first step. You know, so, yeah, that, that, that those things really are very powerful, I think. Yeah, I think um, we'll come back to self-leadership piece. I'm not going to let you get away with that one because that, that's one of our pillars we're going to talk about. Yeah. But there's something you just mentioned there on the, on the sales side. So we, we, do, we do a bunch of work with, with, with businesses who, of course, in like the market conditions right now, like we are in September 2023, um, sales, profitability, cash flow are super important for, for every business. And I read a post this morning, actually, from someone that we probably both know on LinkedIn that said it was about recruiters, but I think it translates to everyone in sales that actually the worst thing you can have is a plan Lovely. B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it just completely resonated with me because when you, you talked about limiting beliefs then, and I think one of the things that can really hamper people overcoming those limiting beliefs is having a really easy plan B. It's like, well, I'll try sales or I'll try you know, recruitment, whatever this might be, but I can always go and do that. And I think I found that really interesting in some of the work that we've done internally for us as a business on sales. Like we are a sales business, like, you know, um, to look at, well, actually like, well, there, there isn't a plan B. Like you, you kind of, we're, we're both in, we are all in. Um, and that, yourself up for failure really, aren't you? Yeah, you're seeing yourself up for failure and be able to iterate. But that, that, that's a really, I find that quite freeing. It's like, great, we've identified, you know, our, our target market, our ideal customer avatar, et cetera. Like here's a list, here's some phone numbers. Like go because otherwise, you don't you don't pay your mortgage. So I think that there's an interesting bit there around understanding your why, as you said, um, understanding what limited beliefs are, but then thinking about personal responsibility as well, which hopefully brings us back to to self leadership. So on that note, um, what's your like? What's your philosophy? Is a big fluffy word. How do you do leadership, Hannah? Took me a long time to think about this actually when you set me set me through the the brief because you you come up with the, the the answers that you think oh is that textbook or is that you know what people want to hear but you know if I'm really really truthful with myself um, there's two elements to it the first one is leading by example that's who I am um, and I try to do it you know every single day and and I'm at my best when I can I don't like it when I'm really hands off um, for me I I would rather show. Um, rather than tell and, and in fact before this call I was just calling some candidates actually <laughs> for a job that, that I've got because um, you know we need some interviews on the board so I'm like I'd be quite happy to, to contribute to that um, but leading by example is really important to me that's that's first ethos and and I'm just very supportive I, I am a coach by trade and by training but I, I've always been that way that is who I am and so I would rather coach somebody to get to where they want to be rather than tell, drag, shout, you know, everything else. So it's, yeah, it's that um, the CEO of our business would say I probably need to like be a bit, a bit tougher perhaps, but he, he can do that bit. I'm the nurturing supporter coach, lead by example one. <laughs> we have a lot of clients who that, that will resonate with. 
they have an issue or a challenge where they want to show as well and, and operate under that coaching style that you mentioned, but they always want to show. So it's really difficult to take that step back because they can do it quicker, easier, more effectively. So how do you broach that, that you can't always show? Sometimes you do need to take that step back. Do you find that difficult or is that quite easy for you? It is easy because I think the alternative is you just get very, very stressed and everybody is really unhappy. And actually a sign of where I'm on that, where I'm going to then burn out or I'm not at my best is when I start taking over. And, I, and I've learned that over the last couple of years. So if I start doing a lot of telling and taking things over and you know, I know that this is not gonna end in a good place. So that's like, a, that's like my warning sign. Um, so I'm quite, I'm quite comfortable with it. I, it, it it's much better to watch somebody uh, implement what you've just gone through in a coaching session than, than, than take it over. Um, but I, what I enjoy is, um, is just showing that I can still do this. And I don't know whether it's for them so that they can learn from it, or whether it is just me and I just get general enjoyment out of it. So bring me on a meeting, let me do a big call. Um, let me do a couple of my own, you know, business deals on the side. And, you know, and I, and I like that. And do you have anything in place that reminds you that you are getting a bit too hands-on or, or task-focused and to take a step back? Or is that the, the team that you're working with you've got that trust and rapport for them to say, Anna, you're getting hands on again, back off. What's that reminder for you? I think they would actually like me, like to have more answers. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't come from them. And it's really hard in recruitment when you've got so much knowledge to not go, well, do this, say that. It's, it's, it's something, it's something inside of me when I, when my emails start getting longer and more directional, uh, <laughs> then I know it's time to raise the warning sign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> So if you ever if you're if you're in in index and you ever get emails from Hannah that have numbered bullet points, <laughs> you know you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Lots of you know you're in trouble. Points, yeah. Um, cool. That, that, I mean that that's it's so important because you know we're we're aware that um, a proportion of the people that, that listen and watch the podcast are emerging leaders, so first time team leaders, etc. And that's a real it's a real skill that you've had to learn habitually, I imagine, because. You know, you're going from people who are generally individual contributors, whether they're in sales or, or other roles, and then typically they're, they're they're exceptional. They get promoted, and it's like great, be responsible for for other people. So that 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 initial bit from being responsible for your own contributions to then being responsible for enabling the performance of other people, I think is a really it's a really hard paradigm to switch quickly. And so I think what I've just taken from you is it, it takes time. It takes battle scars. It takes feedback, etc., to, to be able to to be able to do that. And and so in your role at the moment, you, you very you very kind of eloquently positioned that the the team is about revenue and performance rather than learning and development. Um, what's the difference? <laughs> okay, I'll give you a really practical example of this. So we are we're building out a new onboarding program. Me and my 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 colleague who who runs that side of things and. We created it as any L&D person would, and you've got all your topics and your timetables and we've got assessments in there and, you know, we have, it, it looked great. And then um, Dan, the CEO of our business, he's like, okay, so you, you've put here, you want them to do a placement by X day. Well, how are they going to do it? And I'm like, well, this is how. We're going to train them. We're going to teach them and they're going to do it. And he's like, you haven't broken it back. So what is it that you need in order to do a deal? Yeah, let's look at our ratios right now. So how many outbound messages, how many calls, how many, you know, let, let's break it absolutely down step by step. And he's right, you know, and I missed that. 
because I'd gone straight into what we're going to teach them, what they're going to learn, how we're going to coach them, rather than actually how do we get, you know, what's the end point? Um, so that is, that's, that's a real example, you know, and every activity needs to be measurable and have a business impact. So again, we're looking at all of our coaching sessions and I'm saying, okay, so how do we measure these? How do we quantify that they've been a success? Well, we're not taking feedback, so we could take actions. And I'm like, well, not every action should relate in an improvement in a ratio. Um, everything they do, whether it's the introductions on a call or how they're handling objections, there should, there should be an outcome. And we can look at that in the ratio. And then what's the what's the longer term outcome of that? Well, you know, we should see more business coming through. So it's just making sure that everything that we do just has a tangible benefit to the business and can be quantified in some way. How many of those conversations we had recently? <laughs> I think probably what one a week for as long as I can remember with the sales teams we're supporting. And they say exactly that. It's it's actually so common that these sales teams don't break it down to how many phone calls a day, how many emails should be sent in order to achieve that target. Yeah. Quite often they're doing well, but actually they could be doing so much better if they really broke it down into the, the task level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's so common, more common than actually you could realise. Yeah, look at, look at what's working and do more of that. Um, that's the other side, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, completely. I think, you know, you've just talked there about reverse engineering. Like, you know, start, start with the end in mind and then, and then work backwards. It is very easy yeah, you're right to to kind of have a, um, a a classical learning and development. What are the skills required? What's the program? What's the assessment? What's the embedding? But actually, like really, the, the results are where the rubber hits the road. So, you know, what do we want to achieve? And then reverse engineer that back. And you mentioned ratios there, which I'm a huge fan of in terms of looking at, you know, quantity and quality. And then you talked about plugging revenue gaps, et cetera. Like they really help with that. So where do you, so for all, all leaders, um, I can't remember who the quote is, but like someone said, measure what matters. I'm, I'm going to kick myself. <laughs> I don't remember what the quote is. Um, like where, where do you stand on, on, on KPIs or measurements, et cetera? Like what, what's, what's your perspective on those? Well, is it in, it's expect what you inspect. That's, that's one of them, isn't it? Hey, I, I'm a massive fan. I, you know, I, I'm XS3. We, you know, we were brought up on, on KPIs. Um, if you don't have a KPI, then you don't have a ratio. Um, if you want to teach someone something, they need to do enough of it before you, they can then get better. So enough of it is the KPI, isn't it? And then to get better, you know, we're looking at we're looking at the ratios. Um, you don't need hundreds of them. You probably only need between four and six KPIs, depending on you know what your what your role is. But for me, they are the roadmap to success. You you can't tell me that anybody out there, whether they're business or I don't know tennis, football, horse, you know whatever whatever it is, there is data. Data is used for people to get better, for us to be more effective, faster, more efficient. So huge, huge fan. I think one of the questions that have come up from that, that statement is a lot of our clients and our listeners has, have the data, have it readily available, but might not necessarily know how to use it or how to effectively discuss it. So how, how do you take that wealth of information knowledge and use it? Is it through one-to-ones, performance reviews? How frequently do you undertake those? That's often the, the forgotten bit, isn't it? Mm. That second half. You've got the data. What do you do with it? Well, yeah. Well, you've got to get the data, haven't you? Um, and that that is <laughs> that is another issue because then you need people to actually be putting things on the CRM um, so that you actually have accurate data. But let, let's suppose that they are, and we're on a journey with this. We're at the moment, we're going back to basics. We're looking at every process, every system, changing it, re-embedding it, making it better. 
but let's suppose that they are using it. That will be in my weekly conversations. It will be in monthly reviews. It'll be every time somebody sets um, some sort of action and I want to make it smarter. I mean, just this morning, someone sent me through their six non-negotiables. So I'm saying, let's have, you know, let's have them. And she's like, well, I need to, I want to get five um, interviews booked, as in her going to be pre-screening candidates for this job. I'm like, okay, well, that that's that's the outcome. Um, but what do you need to do to get there? So let's look at your current ratios. Now, that's, that's what you need to do from um, an input perspective to get that output. But that's on your ratios. That's not me telling you how many you need to do. That's what hi your history tells us. It's the same. We've got someone just transitioning into um, like an, a, more of an account management role. So she's given me her targets to the end of the year. And I said, well, you know, how, how are we going to do that? We need to break that down based on your um, well, interview to placement ratio, but we need to take it based on this client because this is the client you're managing. So we'll pull the data from the beginning of the year to now. That's how many interviews this client will need in order for you to make one placement unless you improve or influence something which, you know, will improve the ratio. So for me, it's like it's making the data meaningful to that person. And you can't lie or argue with the data. The data doesn't lie. You can't argue with it. That is what you've done to now. So if, if you, you know, if you want to do this, these are the steps um, or you just need to get much better at something if you if you don't want to increase the volume. Yeah. And I think um, I think it's, I, I found it really interesting in that process, like going through that process. And then having those objections coming up from people internally to say, oh, but like, I just haven't put those client meetings in or, or actually I've got, a, I've, I've got a candidate that's a final stage that I haven't, I haven't put in yet. Because that then, that then kind of um, highlights the, the necessity to make sure that your, your CRM data is really, really clean because otherwise you can't improve your performance. You're kind of, it's kind of luck. Like you might, you might pull a placement out of a hat one month or, or you might not. Yeah. Um, well, and then, and then when you translate that into those people leading people, unless they've got that nailed down, how the hell do they hold someone else accountable for their, their performance um, and support, coach, develop, and, and nurture them? Um, so I think I think that that data piece is is really important, and like we're firm believers in in in, in KPIs, performance measurements, basically from our backgrounds, like rugby and, and RAF, like you know you you get measured. Like you just do, and that's and that that's how you improve. Measure it and do something about it. Yeah. So that'd be a, a question back to you. How? What do you have in place, or what framework or process to ensure that your sort of feedback and action loop is as tight and as effective as possible? Is there something that you you anchor yourself to? Um, well, we're just we we are using um, an HR system to record all of the training and coaching sessions. So um, so everything become, becomes joined up between me the consultant, the consultant's manager, and then um, our L&D manager. So everything is getting tracked and, and, and measured. So we're constantly looking for, you know, have we got that improvement? Are we seeing what we need to see? So, yeah. That's all right. I think and, I, and that, that kind of, you know, that transparency of accountability yeah. across those key stakeholders is, is so important yeah. and, often, and often missed. Um, I can't remember who, who it was, but like, it was like a month ago. I was sitting down with with someone. I was like, okay, so how do you um it was it was a leader who was having problems with holding themselves accountable for the actions that came out of the one-to-ones with with their team members. Yeah. And my first question was, well, well, my first piece of feedback was, 
like great that you're having one-to-ones yeah what happens in those one-to-ones which yeah. is a whole other story like you know whatever happens happens i was like okay well we can focus on on how you can use agenda driven one-to-ones to to create a structure who who feeds back into those but then when it came to the actions it was kind of like well they get written down sometimes i email them across yeah sometimes sometimes i don't <laughs> and, and my simple answer was like do you use teams it's like yes we use teams i was like why don't you just create a teams channel and then have the actions in there and and have have your team member put the actions in and then they hold you accountable for your ones and vice versa. And we began that as a process of, of behavioral change and, and open accountability. Very simple. And my next coaching session with that leader, how's that going? Like, oh, so, so. I was like, well, look, you're only, you're only just getting going. So allow me to hold you accountable for the new behavior. And kind of, you know, a month later, I checked in with him earlier this week. It was like, actually, we're already beginning to see some traction. But you kind of need, as you've just described, you know, HR platforms are, are great now for having different people that can see actions and accountability. And I think that's, that's a really important piece of, well, praise as well as, 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 as behavioral and, and performance change. Um, Pane, I'm going to move us on a bit. You talk, you've talked a lot about, you know, you're working with, with different functions in the business, different, different stakeholders. So as a, as a leader within the business, how what are the building blocks for you of, of really being able to kind of collaborate well with other leaders in the business? Well, just, just to talk um, and, and to make sure that you've got time regularly scheduled. I mean, it's, there's nothing more sophisticated than that. Otherwise, you've got different people doing different things and some people perhaps maybe doing the same thing and not knowing. So it, it's just communicating regularly whether that's weekly or or quarterly and sharing um kind of what what our objectives are right now and understanding what their objectives are and 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 making sure that you know we're supporting each other or things are aligned um you just you just can't you can't over communicate can you that's the thing i mean i'm not spending hours in meetings um but we have to have we have got to have joined up thinking otherwise it's just chaos and how do you, you mentioned you're not spending hours in meetings, which actually a lot of people you speak to are spending hours in meetings back to back all week long, probably yeah. very unproductive. Do you do something different or are you an anti-meeting organization? What does your, what does your calendar look like if we took a peek at it? What's it full of? How do you communicate effectively? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Meeting? Can we share screen? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> there are lots of meetings in there. Um, <laughs> she talks the talk. Let's, uh, let's see. Yeah, I, no, it is. It's, 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 sometimes I look at it and wonder when I'm going to do any, any work. Um, so then I'll have to book out like non-meeting, non-meeting time. But because I work remotely, um, everybody else is together apart from me. Um, and maybe our, you know, our US teams. So I don't have the luxury of just, you know, catching up with someone for five minutes over the desk, which I really, really miss. So I'm very organized and very scheduled and everyone has their time with me, whether that's, you know, my team or the people that I'm coaching or, yeah, you know, the other business leaders. And we don't, you know, it might be booked for um, an hour or half hour, but it doesn't mean to say we need to use that time. So like we, we've always got an agenda um, and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll finish way before if we need to. And I try to like finish if it's an hour call on 55 minutes so that I've got, you know, some time, you know, before the next. I've, I, I, got, I got the hint there. Don't worry. We finish <laughs> on 55. Don't you worry. <laughs> it's right. It's my, day off. it's my day off today. So I, 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 is it? Yeah. I have oh, that's some dedication. For oh, look at that. Honoured. <laughs> Honoured. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
Great. Okay. Well, so, so you mentioned communication was key, and then in the next sentence said that you're working remotely. Yeah. How have you found that? Because given that trust and rapport is so important, but only ever seeing somebody their shoulders and above, how do you maintain that relationship where it is just virtual? The relationship piece I find pretty easy. Uh, I just, uh, I don't know, that's just maybe who I am. I build good relationships and yeah, it, that just bit works. The, what I find really hard is checking that things are going as I as we have agreed that they should be. Like for an example, unless you actually see somebody in action, you don't really know what that, you can only go on what they're telling you. Um, and I'm not a micromanager, as I've said, I will just empower people and trust them that they can do, you know, they're going to do what they said they would do and, and, and they can do the job. And I've been caught out there by not being in the detail enough. And I think if I was genuinely there, um, it would be a lot easier. Um, plus the fact that it'd just be great to like walk, you know, walk around the office and catch people doing good things and give them feedback. Um, I have to make a conscious effort to find out about good things and then put a nice post on the group uh, chat or I just occasionally send little messages, you know, to say well done. Otherwise, you're just really busy and you don't put your head up and then you forget those tiny things that actually make a really, really big difference to somebody. I suppose it makes your life a little bit easier because you're so on top of the, the KPIs and the data as well. Because without that, you're, you're operating blind, aren't you, really? Working autonomously from home without knowing who's performing, underperforming, overperforming. Yeah. It's just a, a yeah. assumption and guess. Yeah. And it, the, the, again, you know, the CRM, because it isn't just it isn't just looking at the reports, is it? It's, you know, because on the face of it, someone could look like they've had a very good day. But actually, when you then look at who they've been calling and the length of the calls and actually the, the, their strategy for that day behind what the surface level data is telling you, um, it, it, there could well be another story there. Um, but all of these tools are just are just invaluable. Um, and especially for our teams in the US, you know, who who only get a visit once a quarter you are managing them through data really my next question following on from that how often do you meet up as a team because quite often we get invited into businesses to help develop leaders at all different levels but we find out that some of them have never met their team before they've been onboarded but actually it's just been virtual so it could have been six eight ten weeks and they've never met their, their line managers and how can you build an effective team when you haven't got that fundamental trust and rapport there do you meet regularly or is it something that you haven't done? Yeah, I try to meet once a quarter and then um, somebody may be over from the US or, or Europe for, for those sessions. And if they're not, they'll, they'll come in via Teams. But then as a, as a leadership group, we have a call on a Monday um, every week. Yeah, it's, it, it could always be better. There's nothing like being in a room with people um, and having quality time as well. But that's, yeah, that's how we're doing things at the moment. Great. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Um, Hannah, I've got a question for you. So you, before you joined Index, you built, you know, you built a recruitment business that, correct me if I'm wrong, was completely virtual. Was that right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. So completely virtual. So, I mean, you've mentioned, you've mentioned trust as a really important part of, I guess, collaborating and, and, and creating you know, a team of people that, that can achieve more than they, they, they should on paper. So what was, what was your secret in a fully virtual organization to, to creating that, that, that trust, um, the bond and the, and the performance? I think it's the time that we spent with people. 
and the effort that that we put into those interactions with people um, that they actually weren't used to having. So let let me explain. When when I built the team, it it, it was in the days where um, everybody had to be in the office. You know, like there was it was inconceivable for a team to be at home. Um, or you know, and if you if you'd had a client meeting, you should be back to the office, even though there was an hour left of your day. You know that that's the recruitment world we came from. But I, my my team was built on um, a team of what they call VAs in the Philippines and Prague, you know, all over the place, um, who weren't used to being treated like team members. They were perhaps just treated like um, an administration assistant. Um, who was rarely spoken to and the feedback was on an email about the profiles that they'd sent it was so transactional and that's not you know who I am and I spent a lot of time working with each and every one of them to develop them and so instead of just being people that would source candidates and send me a long list um, towards the end that you know they were taking placements all the way through and delivering offers even to some senior level candidates but that's the time that we put in to 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 give them feedback and feedback actually it, it was just a key part of that feedback 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 all of the time and for me feedback is actually a development activity in its own right and is really underestimated um but that you know that that's how we did it um and they were incredibly loyal because they knew that I really cared about them and their career and wanted them to be better and they gave it a million percent never met any of them and they've gone on to have some great jobs now, and I'm really proud of them, each and every one. Yeah, amazing. And I, I, look, what I take from that is, and it, it's echoed with other businesses that we know that you know operate as 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 kind of high performing teams in in a fully virtual kind of environment. Is you've mentioned you've got to be really purposeful. Um, you've like you've got to give like feedback, 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 personal personal time. There's an awful lot of, of of trust and having to be really specific in expectations both ways in terms of being deliverable focused, but also I imagine from what you've just said there, like giving people time, um, it's much more. I think it's probably much more onerous in terms of skill set and giving energy from a leadership perspective than than it might be if you're in the office, you know, four or five days a week, um, you know, working with someone. So. Like how did you personally go about kind of, you know, maintaining your, your own personal energy levels when you're going to have to be giving such a large amount? Mm, it's a really good question. And I think, I think at times I probably sacrificed my own energy and that was a factor in why ultimately I decided that after three years that I wanted to do something else along with parenting my daughter, which has its own challenges. I probably didn't look after myself. Uh, well enough I'd say so that's something that I've really really worked on uh, recently um, and it's something that everyone should be aware of because like you know burnout doesn't happen to people that are just maybe not happy in their jobs or actually you can be really happy and really motivated and love your job too much and get burnt out um, you know you're, you're you're sat still looking for candidates at whatever time of night you don't need to you don't need to be doing that but you can't help yourself because you wake up and just thinking about work. You wake up in the night and you're thinking about work and it, it consumes you. So, yeah, you get good results from that. 
but how sustainable that is, I'm not sure. You need to find balance. But it was, it did take We had this exact conversation yesterday, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. You get obsessed. We, we had this exact, so, <laughs> so it's a bit of a delay. We had this exact conversation yesterday about burnout and operating in that stretch zone. Uh, we were running our, our K2 exercise and some of the teams were always pushing for that summit, trying to get to the top. And then in the debrief afterwards, that was reflective of the business as well, that they were always in that stretch zone, always operating at 100%. Uh, and, and then we we discussed it and actually how far more effective it was to operate sort of 80, 90% and be there for the next day, the next month, the next year and continually grow rather than always pushing for that 110% burning out and then the business folds. Yeah. So yeah exactly what you've just said. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back down to self-awareness, doesn't it? And really understanding before you get to that point and making changes early on. Hannah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, it's a really important message for, for everyone who is, who is looking to grow something, looking to lead that actually, you know, there, there's that kind of cliched saying, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first, but the temptation is it's very hard to see that and be objective when, when you're the one driving something. And so I think, you know, one of the things that, that I, would, I would echo um, out to everyone who's listening, that if, if you are the person who is driving an organization, whether it's you know, two people or, or, or you know, a thousand people, um, you need to make sure you're looking after your own well-being um, performance as well. Finding, finding someone, finding a mentor, finding a coach, finding someone or a peer group that can, that can keep an eye out for you. Um, because otherwise, I think the, propens- the, the, te- the temptation is to just carry on grinding and carry on going because you don't have anyone saying, when was the last time you took a day for you? So, so thank you so much for sharing sharing that. Well, it's just like our Ironman training, really, isn't it? Like 11 months oh, of Ironman we training for, for next week. <laughs> we're doing an Ironman next week. But actually, I, I've never really liked recovery days. And it was only until we got a coach, somebody to tell us that we had to take recovery days and how important and critical to yeah, competing yeah. or hopefully crossing the finish line the recovery day was. Because yeah. without that, I think we'd have just continued pushing and pushing and pushing and, and burnt ourselves out and probably not been able to the start line let alone the finish line yeah so yeah that, that just reflects how important recovery days are and not being burned out in business as well yeah completely um hannah we're coming towards the end of our conversation and we have a west peak question which i want to ask you i want to ask you now so for all of those people who are listening for the for the first time or watching for the first time west peak our business um was named basically because there are some mountains in the world that have false summits. And there's a, there's a very famous mountain in the Himalayas that has a West Peak and an East Peak. Um, and the West Peak is the, is the true summit and the East Peak is the false summit. And we kind of relate this back to skill acquisition or experience. And quite often we all learn a bit of knowledge, think we've got to the summit, and then we get there and we go, oh crap, there's a whole lot more that I need to learn. Um, now I know this. So Hannah, I just want to invite you to, to share a West Peak moment of your own. This one also made me think quite a lot. And my, my instant reaction to that question was um, being a parent, because you just, you just completely underestimate, you know, the challenges. And that is all leadership, really, for me, um, and coaching and, you know, an awful lot else. But, you know, I, you know, I, lost, I lost a baby um, quite late on and had another failed attempt before you know I got pregnant with my daughter and, and so when I finally had her it was you know it was amazing the first year was full of its usual troubles and now you know with her sort of being diagnosed with ADHD and you know it's it's, it's been it's been a real challenge so that that West Peak is 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 probably the most significant 
because I quite like West Peaks. That's the thing that got me with that question. I quite like them because for me, if I'm not being challenged and pushed out of my comfort zone, and if I don't have moments of, oh shit, can I do this? Am I good enough? Then I'm not really, I'm not alive. So I, I, it made me reflect because I think sometimes I actually put that West Peak there for myself on purpose. Um, so um, it, it was a really interesting one. But yeah, I think I think my the parenting one is is a West Peak at the moment, and where you know I'm I'm working through that at the moment, and also my role um, as CRO because there's I've put a lot of pressure on myself that you know with all of my background, all of my experience, I should nail this job. Like this, this job is perfect for me. It plays to all my strengths. Um, plus the fact that I'm well known at what I do and the people that I'm working with, I coached before. So they thought I was great um, and couldn't wait for me to join. And I, I was almost going to be like this magic wand. And then they realized that, oh, Hannah's not a magic wand, actually. Um, we still got to do the work. And there's been moments, real moments where I've like really wondered whether, uh, like, ca ca can I... I don't know can I do this and I, I yeah people say imposter syndrome but that that it, that's been yeah something that I've been fighting with over the last few months I'd say um and sometimes I wish you could just turn that inner voice off because it really isn't useful sometimes and I suppose this this challenge of this new role along with parenting Sophie the two of them together have led me to a point of well how how do I succeed in both these things at the same time? And the answer for me is to get my brain and body at absolute optimum peak performance. Um, yeah, it, 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 to be at its best. So that's why I've yeah stopped drinking. I'm fasting. I'm meditating. I'm listening to every podcast that I possibly can about brain health. Like I am a different person than what I was, um, you know, a few months back. And I've never felt such clarity or just felt so good as I do now. And it's transformed how I parent and it's transforming how I am at work. Um, and that's how I'm dealing with this West Peak, because actually I do have all the skills and background and experiences to, to succeed. I just need to make sure that the vessel, um, <laughs> this especially, is um is, is working in the best possible way um so that's what i love that i've never actually related it back to parenting you brought up a really good point we, i mean we're all parents here as well and you go to bed every night thinking yeah smashed it we're, i've gone to bed it's nice and calm kids we're, we're on a, a good sort of rapport they wake up the next day and it's all just gone horribly wrong again there's like arguments or something's happened something's changed yeah it's a, it's a, a false summit every day uh, the other thing you mentioned as well that you, you're so proactive in terms of uh, like the, the breathing and listening to your podcast you haven't mentioned a mentor or someone that you have looked up to either through your journey or now is there someone inspirational in the last couple of minutes that you could yeah. open up about or, or tell us about and ideally we could probably get them on as a guest as well that'd be amazing <laughs> oh I like that yeah I like that uh, my mum is um is, okay. is the the one and only um she brought me up in business and taught and taught me everything that I know but also life um she's she taught me how to dip to get over financial crisis how to take a business through that all the war, early warning signs before covid hit properly i'd already got my business into shape because i could see it coming but above everything she she has always said to me in, in tough times you sell your way out that's the only option once you've cut costs Hannah, you sell your way out and um she's absolutely right and she had a motto on in her office where i used to like do my homework and it said like there was a frog, I think, being eaten by a stork. 
and it said you you never ever 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 give up and that is our family motto and we you know we don't and I won't not not ever um and they had changing direction fine but like never ever give up but she's she is my role model in in business and life and and parenting oh amazing amazing I really like that Hannah, thank you so much for coming on on how they lead. We've loved we've loved talking to you. It lived up to to, to our expectations for sure. And I'm think everyone can take something away from this conversation. I think look, I actually think the last 15 minutes of of what you shared were, were absolute gold. So really appreciate you coming on the podcast and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Hannah. Thank you. I've loved it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on the How They Lead podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something new about the world of high performance. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And don't forget to subscribe to the How They Lead podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep pushing yourself to reach your full potential and evolve the way you perform. And remember, just because something has always been done a certain way, doesn't mean doing it a new way can't work. Yeah.